What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 45 of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison, and I'm joined today by Binghamton's wrestling head coach, Kyle Borshaw. How are things going down in uh, Binghamton today, coach? Things are great. Teams, uh, teams around, enjoying some sunshine. Everything's good. Yeah, the kids are back in classes. I mean, it's probably a little bit more a sense of normalcy uh, compared to last year, right? Oh yeah, we've we've been in class since uh, last uh, last Tuesday, I think it was. Um, normal in-person classes, everything's at you know full capacity. Um, you're seeing athletes all you know all around the the athletics area on campus. Uh, we got a little uh like a, a food spot for the athletes that was closed last year that, you know, they're all hanging out at now grabbing lunch. And it's just, it's, it's nice to see everyone back. It's nice to be living a more normal life. And uh, it's, it's good that the, you know, the guys from last year are starting to see, you know, what it's like to be, be normal. You know, it was, it was tough for our, we had 11 new guys last year and they were living with a lot of restrictions. So just yeah. glad to be doing what we're doing right now. Yeah. It's gotta be refreshing. So you took over the head coaching position uh, December of 2017. So technically this would be your fourth full season as a head coach. Yeah, that's right. Um, mid-season, mid-season takeover and uh, been looking forward ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're a division one head coach right now. Uh, let's, let's take it back to the beginning. This is going to be a, a ride from you know, your youth day to high school to American university and then coaching. But, uh, when did you begin wrestling and how did you get introduced to the sport? Oh, shoot. I started wrestling when I was little, probably, you know, I think probably like eight, something like that. Um, <clears throat> my neighbor got me into wrestling. So my dad wrestled in college. He wrestled for a lot of his life. And, you know, it's not something he was pushing on us when we were little, but uh, me and my brothers used to, you know, more or less terrorize our neighborhood. So uh, we were always running around, climbing people's trees, you know, trying to find, you know, frogs and stuff like that, like on their properties. And one of the neighbors kind of went up to my mom and, you know, he's like, your kids seem to have a lot of energy and they're always running around. You know, you should get them into wrestling. Um, that neighbor's name was Fred Kemp. Fred, Fred then became my first wrestling coach. So my parents took us out to the the Pittsford wrestling club where coach Kemp was the head coach. And, uh, you know, once we started doing it, my dad never pushed for us to get into it necessarily, but once we started doing it, he kind of was, uh, very hands-on, you know, he took the approach of, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to make sure they're good. So, uh, Fred Kemp and then my dad was really my first coaches I had in the sport. Yeah, so I mean, you you obviously were good. Uh, two thousand six, you were a New York State champion for Pittsburgh uh, out in Section Five. You know what was wrestling like in Section Five? Uh, it was great. You know, I think growing up, I mentioned that Pittsburgh Wrestling Club. We had one of the best wrestling clubs in the state for a very long time. Um, uh, if you look at my age group that I grew up wrestling with, you're talking me and my brothers, the Gillespie brothers, the Patterson brothers the Chins, Fortes, um, Anwar Gorys, just tons of state champs, high school state champs, guys that went and became Division I All-American. So I grew up around a youth program like that. When I got to high school, um, we didn't have much of a team my first couple of years. So seventh and eighth grade, 
Um, seventh grade, we were all right. My eighth grade year, I think we had four or five guys on the varsity team. We had a new coach take over the next year, uh, Coach Jason Bavenzi, now the head coach at RIT. And uh, he brought in a lot of football players to the program and kind of rebuilt the high school team. Um, so by the time I was a junior and senior, my high school team was actually pretty good. Section five wrestling was great at the time. Uh, I think in 2006, we as a section won the large school uh, and small school divisions at the New York State tournament that year. I think the small schools just absolutely dominated. And I think the large schools was pretty close between us and section 11. Um, I know myself and Josh Patterson both had, uh, I think section 11 guys in the finals and we both won those matches. And um, I'm not sure which one it was, but one of those wins, you know, won the, the state, I guess, for section five. And uh, uh, it hadn't been done. I don't know if section five had, I'm not sure when the last time section five had won. So it was tough. You know, I, I really enjoyed growing up wrestling and had a lot of good, good matches and good opponents. Yeah, actually. So you, you pretty much uh, nailed what I was about to say. You know, I was going to mention that you guys won the team state title that year as, as, as a section. I mean, you obviously mentioned yourself, Josh Patterson, I believe Ryan Lamagra was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a guy from Greece Olympia that took second, I believe. Um, but yeah, you guys had a great year that year for section five and, uh, you know, section 11 and section eight have won it since, but looking at that year, section five was, was definitely on a roll. Um, so after high school, you followed your brother, Jason, American university wrestling under coach Mark Cody, uh, from 2007 to 2010, you know, what was it like to compete in college with both of your brothers? Uh, so I said, Jason, and then I believe Corey came there right after you got there, right? Yep. So Jason was a year ahead of me. uh, And then Corey was two years behind me. So uh, I got to wrestle with Jason actually all four years at American. Uh, He redshirted his freshman year there. I, I went four straight through uh, no redshirt. I, I graduated. I finished college when I was 21. You know, I think it's, it's kind of funny looking at the landscape now, some of the, you know, how long some of these guys are, (laughs) have been around and how old they are. Um, And then I got to, you know, my little brother, I wrestled with for two years and then I coached him, uh, for two years, which was also pretty neat. Um, but yeah, we had a tight family and, uh, you know, coach Cody was awesome. I loved, I loved my time with coach Cody, loved my time competing with my brothers and, you know, the guys that became my, my really good friends, my teammates. And we had a, we had a really, really impressive thing going there at American for, for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, you did. So I'll get into a little bit of it, but uh, I'll start off in 2009. Uh, you became an All-American first. I mean, you were a two-time All-American for American University. This was your first year. Um, you know, what are the odds that two Section 5 guys wrestle in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Uh, wait, who did I wrestle? Well, no. Well, so in that bracket, there was you, there was Trevor Chin, uh, Steve oh, yeah. Brown, Torsten Gillespie, Mike Roberts, Desi Green, Paula Gillespie. So there was seven total New York guys in that bracket. I don't think you wrestled the section five guy. I think it was, but, uh, I, think I, wrestled, I wrestled Torsten. Oh wait, maybe I did wrestle Torsten in the first round. So I'm fuzzy now on that bracket. I might've wrestled. I wrestled them both years at nationals. So yeah, I didn't so, remember being the first round, but you might be right. <laughs> I mean, four of the seven are section five guys, which is, I mean, to, to our point, uh, just a few minutes ago, you know, section five was definitely on fire those years. 
Um, but how did that seven to two win over Kyle Terry of Oklahoma in the blood round feel um, to, you know, obviously you're an all American after that win. Yeah, that one was awesome. You know, it's, I was uh, probably my two best matches I ever wrestled in college were in the, the round of 12 at the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about Kyle Terry. I didn't, my coach, coach Cody was really good at not having us be bracket readers, um, not having us really know who we were competing against, what they had done previously. So I kind of always went into my matches um, without previous knowledge, you know? So uh, when we started this call, I knew a lot about my high school, you know, guys, and I was following numbers and people in high school and coach Cody got me away from that in college. So I usually had no idea who was in my brackets, who I was wrestling, where they were from. Uh, it didn't matter. Uh, Kyle Terry was really good. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, you know, I wrestled him in that round of 12 match. I, uh, coach Cody before the match, he came over me. I still remember he came over, he said, Hey, this is the best matchup we could possibly have in this round. Right. And I didn't know any better. You know, I think he'd only lost one match all season. He was really good. Um, but I went out, I fired off a bunch of, you know, right side singles, um, slingshot single. I shoot to the right side. Uh, I remember that specifically and scoring a lot of takedowns and kind of blowing, blowing that match out. Um, and then just, you know, when getting through that one was, was huge for me. Um, I had never placed in a national. Oh, that's not true. When I was a little kid, I placed fourth at the Ohio tournament of champions, <laughs> but I never again placed in a national level uh, tournament. So the division one championships was really the first time um, I ever placed in a national level event. So uh, it was awesome. Yeah. I want to say Terry lost without looking at the bracket. I mean, I looked at it a couple days ago, but, uh, I think he lost to Metcalf to drop to the backside, but yeah, obviously Metcalf's no slouch, which gets us into 2010. Um, you all American again in 2010, placing eighth at 149. You ran into Brett Metcalf in the second round. You know, what was he like to wrestle against? Um, you know, your first match, actually, I don't even know if it was that year or if it was the year before, but we went down to the Northeast Duels down in Albany, and Brent was wrestling a Binghamton guy, Justin Lister. And obviously Brent's a, you know, he's a tough in-your-face wrestler, and, and Lister doesn't back down to anything. And uh, it kind of got a little chippy, but no, Lister didn't back down. And then that same day, uh, Metcalf wrestled a kid from our neck of the woods, uh, 10 minutes up the road, Steve, Steve Brown, Central Michigan. I think it was a nine to four win for, for Metcalf, but you know, obviously I got to see it firsthand and I was a big Iowa fan. I mean, I still am, but uh, you know, watching Brett Metcalf do his thing and like, I'm just like, how is a guy's going to wrestle him? But you wrestled him at the NCAAs. What was that like? Well, it was rough for me. Um, Brent Metcalf was very good at shooting a left-handed high crotch. Yes. I was very bad at defending a left-handed high crotch. So that match didn't go great for me. Um, he beat me up uh, badly. Uh, looking back on it, you know, it's one of those things where I don't really, I still don't know how I got beat so badly. Um, <laughs> he, he took me down a lot. Uh, I do think that at the time, you know, it was just one of those things where I'd never been able to wrestle him before. Um, and I think for me personally, it always benefited me to compete with somebody numerous times so yeah. in the you know the two years that that Brent and I were at the same weight um and in a lot of the same brackets at 
at tournaments, we never competed against each other. So I didn't really get that hands-on feeling from him. I can tell you he was really good at hand fighting. He was really good at pulling you out of position and he was really good at shooting a left-handed high crotch and he scored a lot of takedowns on me. Um, I was pretty funky and flexible in college. I read, I led my right leg really hard. So I was really comfortable when guys would shoot on my right leg, whatever the shot was, it didn't matter. Um, because people didn't usually get to my back leg. I led real hard, right. And he was able to get to my back leg pretty much anytime he tried. Um, but it was cool. You know, I look back on it. It was, it was neat. Brent and I, uh, we were, we were roommates out at the Olympic training center a couple summers ago for, for a few days. And, you know, we got to talk and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, it was a tough match. The one seed in that bracket was, was Lance Palmer that year. And, you know, they ended up wrestling in the finals and, um, it was a really tough bracket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those brackets back then, I mean, they, they were, I mean, without looking at the bracket again, I mean, there was guys that took third, fourth, fifth, whatever that went on to win a national title, you know, a year or two later. But um, I guess talking about that loss, you know, you wrestled your first wrestle back uh, match after that was against Bearcat, Donnie Vincent. Um, You you beat him, but uh, how, you know, you were an all American the year before. How did you, uh, you know, rebound and pick yourself back up to wrestle three more wins to, to be another all American in 2010. Yeah, that one was, you know, that was kind of a, an up and down season for me. My junior year, I reached one of my goals, right. To be an all American. And mm-hmm. my, my main goal was always to be a national champion and I never got there. Um, but I started out that senior year, you know, I got to wrestle in the all-star classic I won my match at the all-star classic, you know, I got ranked as high as second in the country for a lot of that year. Um, and then I started dropping some matches here and there throughout the season. And I had a, a tough EIWA tournament that year where I didn't wrestle particularly well. Um, so coming into the, the NCAA championships that year, really proving to myself that, you know, I, my junior year wasn't a fluke, right. I had to, I had to do it again. Um, had to get back on the podium dropped that match to, to Metcalf. Um, and I knew it was a long road back. I, I wrestled Donnie and then I actually had to wrestle a guy that I think the next, I think it was the next round, a guy that had beat me at the Midlands tournament, um, from central Michigan. Um, you know, and I knew looking at that match, right? Like, all right, I've, I've gotten beat by this guy. I beat this guy. I have to stay offensive and really, staying offensive became my main focus for the rest of the event, right? Not worrying about what the other guy was going to do, not worrying about the score of the match, just only worrying about staying offensive, score when I can, wrestle where I'm good, um, and get back on the podium. You know, you wrestled under Coach Cody, um, but then you you got on the coaching staff with him as well. You served one year on the coaching staff with him. He built, as we mentioned, he built American University program up to a pretty successful program and he had multiple All-Americans, you know, each year, you know, NCAA champ Josh Glenn uh, in 2007, shout out Johnson City. Uh, you had you, Gannon, Fittery, Waters, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Abdur um, Yeah, there was 14 total, I believe, All-Americans that Coach Cody had. Uh, you know, then you started your coaching career on the staff, uh, I believe, 2010-2011 season. All right, yep. so uh, that season was pretty big for American University. You guys finished fifth at the NCAA's. Um, Sanja took eighth. Fittery, I believe, took third, and the Flores was in the finals at 285. 
Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to have Coach Cody and, and Gambar up at uh, the wrestling camp in Governor. I think it was the year after uh, you guys took fifth or uh, yeah, you guys took fifth at the nationals, but you know, what was coaching, um, you know, being on the coaching staff for a team like that, you know, obviously it's not a, a big program, a big wrestling program. And you, you guys took fifth in the country. Yeah. You know, it was, <clears throat> I finished up wrestling and coach Cody asked me if I'd stick around and, and help out the next year. So, you know, I was in that capacity as, as volunteer assistant that season. Um, I had been teammates the previous year with Steve Fittery um, and some of the other guys that were in that lineup that were very good. Uh, Gonebuyer, I think, actually took fourth that year, not eighth. Um, oh, you might have been seated eighth. Yeah, I, I probably had that in wrong. Yeah, yeah, probably... I think he lost. He lost to um, – I think he lost to Dake in the semis. And yep. then um, I think he ended up losing to Jason Chamberlain for, for third and fourth. Um, but my role that year was essentially – you know, one, be in the room on the mat with uh, Matt Mariocker, who was our 141 pounder. He was around at 12 that year. Gambayar, who was fourth that year. Steve Fittery, who was third. Our 165 pounder, Bubby Graham, was uh, a national qualifier that year. So we had a great group of guys in that middleweight range. And, you know, my job really was, was work with these guys every day, get on the mats with them, help them, you know, reach their goals. Um, and then I got all, you know, some other jobs like picking up wrestling mats and things like that. <laughs> yeah. um, I learned a lot that year, you know, and that was an awesome year to be a coach just because of the success that we had as a program. Um, you know, like you said, American's not a big school. We finished fifth in the country. Um, we had, I think we had six guys qualify, um, three All-Americans and around a 12. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, you know? So, so as you got further into your coaching career and it, it might've been the first year as your, uh, as you were volunteer assistant, um, or might've been your third or fourth year, but was there any, uh, coaching advice that coach Cody gave you, you know, as far as coaching goes? Oh man, I'm sure coach Cody was always constantly giving me advice. It all blurs together, whether I was yeah. an athlete, uh, the volunteer coach, you know, he actually, I flew out to OU when he, um, he took the head job out there and he offered me the volunteer coach out, out that way. Um, I ended up staying at American with Teague, but, um, you know, probably the best piece of advice as a coach was to, you know, kind of get your hands dirty with everything, you know, he, coach Cody would, you know, if he needed to, he'd roll mats, you know, if he needed to, he'd, he'd drive the truck, um, and it was just kind of like, even if no matter who you are, you could be the head coach, the assistant, the volunteer, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that you're willing to, to put in the time and the effort. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing I took out of that, <clears throat> that first year of coaching under him is like, there's a lot more to wrestling, to coaching wrestling than wrestling, right? There's, there's so many different things that happen within a division one college program, especially at a division one college program that doesn't have a director of operations or, you know, RTCs didn't really exist. And um, we didn't have somebody handling administrative stuff or any of that. Like we, we did that as a staff, right. And um, learning that early on was like, you know, the buck stops here type of situation, you know, yeah. we had to do everything. And uh, I didn't have, you know, that was, 
I never had a problem with that. And Coach Cody really ingrained that into our program, you know, as an athlete um, and a, as a coach with him, right? Nobody gives you anything. And uh, you better take what you want, right? Because if you look at a singlet or if you expect someone to do something and then it doesn't happen or you lose, that's on you. It, it doesn't matter. It's not on coach. It's not on administration, right? It's on you. At the end of the day, we, we control our destiny. And, um, you know, that was one of the things I, I took away from being around him for a really long time. Uh, it sounds like you took a lot away from Coach Cody, all the things you said, you know, leading by example. And, uh, you know, you're not too big for the smallest role. But um, after American University, you head back to New York. You joined your brother, Jason, again, this time on the Big Ups and staff. Uh, I believe it was the 2015-2016 season um, under coach, uh, head coach, Coach Derlin. Um, you know, in your just your second season as assistant coach, you guys started to climb in the EIWA standings um, as far as the team finishes go. Uh, I believe you guys took seventh in 2018. I want to say the national qualifiers that year were Frankie Gar Garcia and Steven Schneider. 2019, you guys took six. You had four qualifiers. Uh, 2020, you finished six. Um, again, that was a, the season we had, you know, no NCAA tournament, but that was Louis Dupre's freshman season, um, right? Uh, sophomore. Yeah, he was a junior last year. Um, but you had Zach Champy and, and Dupre that weren't able to wrestle at their, their uh, national tournament. Um, you know, how did you guys handle the news? I mean, I, I guess it's kind of old news now, but how did you guys handle the news of the no NCAAs um, in 2020? Uh, it moved so quickly and there were so many things going on leading up to it, you know, and I think <clears throat> before the announcement happened, I think we kind of all knew it was coming. Um, I forget what happened, but I want to say there was like an NBA game or something had just something really big. had just gotten canceled, you know, and I think that kind of the rumbling started happening. Like, are we going to be able to wrestle? Right. And, um, actually probably what was the, you know, obviously Louie was seated high. Zach was having a good season, but the toughest piece about that is something that, you know, not many people know. Um, Joe Doyle was an alternate at heavyweight that year as a qualifier. And uh, I think it was like Wednesday night, um, the week before nationals. Right. So we're uh, eight days, eight days away from competing. And I got a phone call from, from the NCAA that uh, someone had dropped out and Joe Doyle was, was going to be in the, the tournament. Right. So he, now he was the alternate. Now he's qualified. Um, I called Joe that night. You're in, you're wrestling, you made it, you're going to nationals, da, 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 da. you know, and two days later, um, everything got shut down and canceled. So, you know, obviously Lou and Zach were upset, but that was also kind of that roller coaster there with, with Joey, right? He wasn't going, then he was going and now he can't go. Um, and I think that for him actually served as a huge motivator uh, this past year when he was able to jump into the EWAs and not have to experience that feeling again of, you know, am I going to go? What's going to happen? Um, but yeah, that, that situation happened quick. It was hard for everyone. Like you said, that, that happened so quick that I didn't even know that he, I mean, I guess since there wasn't a tournament after all, there probably wasn't much news about it. I mean, most of the news on social media was that that got canceled and not that somebody dropped out. So yeah, yeah. That, that went right by me. So last year in the weird abbreviated COVID season that we had, um, I mean, 
obviously it wasn't the season we wanted, but I would, you know, I'll take that over nothing. Um, you know, the Bearcats went three and one in duels. You guys had three canceled duels due to COVID. Now, first off, how were you and the staff able to manage the COVID testing, you know, making sure the team was doing what they were supposed to do each week? Well, a lot of that was personal responsibility. You know, these guys have to hold themselves accountable. Um, they knew the, the orders to compete, right? Like if, if I told you in, a, in order to compete at the national tournament, here's what you have to do, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So that in itself is a motivator. These guys made sure they were doing their testing. They made sure they were on time. Um, you know, there'd be hiccups every now and then where, you know, something would ha- someone would get uh, sick or their tire would blow out and they'd be late for testing or something like that. But at the end of the day, the guys – you know, they had to be very responsible um, with the testing and making sure that they were following those guidelines. Um, as a team, we were splitting practices up. Um, we were keeping our workout groups small. We were keeping our groups separate from each other. Um, we were separating our coaching staff out so that we didn't have uh, one coach interacting with different groups of guys that could uh, cross contaminate testing stuff. So there was just a ton of protocols and precautions that, that we put together as a, a team and a staff and the guys did a really good job following, following those guidelines. Um, like you said, we unfortunately had matches canceled. It was never due to us, right? We were ready to go. Um, we were healthy. We were ready to wrestle. Um, but it didn't matter, right? The other, we'd get calls, the mm-hmm. other team would have a positive test and, they'd been on a bus a couple of days before. So the whole team was, was shut down, things like that. So, um, you know, the testing stuff we could handle the changing our protocols, we could handle, but at the end of the day, you can't control w- what's outside, you know, and that's kind of, that was the message to the guys on the team, right? We can't control these things. We didn't wrestle for over a month. I don't think between our last dual meet, uh, and the NCAA tournament. So it was, like, it was obviously not ideal, right? It was a weird season, Um, we weren't able to do a lot of the, uh, you saw like a lot of the extra matches round Robin, uh, type things where teams would have a dual meet, but guys would get multiple matches. We weren't able to do that stuff. Um, so it led to a very abbreviated season and the guys, they, they fought through what they were dealt, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and did a really good job. I'm excited. I'm excited about a full season this year. Yeah. So as we mentioned, like you had four, four duels, you were, you guys wrestled Ryder, LIU, Army, and Lehigh, you know, most conferences, uh, wouldn't let their, uh, their teams compete out of conference. Um, you know, there was a few cases that you could, but, uh, you, you know, you guys started off with Ryder and you guys kind of started off with a bang true freshman. Micah Rose started his career off with a, a huge win over a trope, um, who was nationally ranked at the time. You know, I know the season leading up to conferences and NCAAs was a short one, but, you know, did, was that win at the beginning of the season a huge confidence booster for Micah? Or did he know coming into the first uh, duel that he was ready to compete with the upperclassmen and, and some of the best in the nation? I think Micah figured it out about halfway through the match. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, Micah's extraordinarily talented. You know, he's he's grown immensely uh, since since his time in high school. You know, it's just he was one of the guys that when we were recruiting him, we watched some matches that he wrestled in high school. Uh, one, one match in particular that he lost. And just, I remember my brother and I looking at each other 
and just being like, this is the guy, you know, this guy that just lost, that's the guy that we, we need to be getting on right now. Cause his ceiling is, is certainly, it's just, Micah's ceiling is very, very, very high. Um, <clears throat> that win for Micah was huge for the team, right? That the momentum, he goes out, he, he goes down, I think four, one gets taken down a couple of times and just starts gas tanks going, right. He's building, he's building, he's building totally breaks the guy, right. True freshman first match, fifth year senior, he's wrestling, totally breaks him, pins him that momentum. Our 33 pounder goes out new guy, right. He transferred in, goes out, pins his guy. Um, 41 wins. Like we just, the momentum started going, um, our 65 pounder true freshman last year, um, goes out and beats a guy that, that ended up qualifying for nationals last year, right. A guy that had previously wrestled at Nebraska for a couple of years. Um, that was a transfer into rider. And yeah, we just, the freshman guys, the transfer guys, they got us rolling last year and we could just see it, right. Those guys believed in themselves. They believed in what we were doing. And it showed in, in those four dual meets that we got to wrestle in. I mean, those guys, they, they showed it pretty much every time they competed. Yeah. I mean, the next duel that I was wanted to talk about out of the uh, four duels was the duel against Army. You know, you had an exciting 23 to 10 win. And what I noticed was, obviously, there's no fans in the stands, but the energy that your, your bench created, right? I mean, you're talking about Micah picking up a big win. And then that led on to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And, uh, you know, just without having fans in the stands, just watching it online, you could tell, you know, there was a lot of energy on the Bearcats bench and uh, it was exciting to watch. I think the icing on the cake was 285 uh, Bearcat bolt job, Corey day. He picked up the major decision over Ben Sullivan and he had like two minutes and 30 seconds of riding time. You know, for those that don't know that are listening right now, Corey day was a New York state champ at 160 back in 2019. And I believe he wrestled a little bit at 184 his uh, first year at Binghamton, you know, and then he obviously bumped up to wrestle 285 in the duels because Doyle was out for the, uh, for the, you know, those four duels, you know, what did a guy, what did you guys take away from like an athlete, like Corey day bumping up to 285 to, you know, make the team stronger? Oh, it was huge. Right. Corey, Corey weighed in, I think at like 203 or 201 for that match. Um, hmm just knowing, right. He had to, he had to be that big, right. If, if he had been watching his weight at all, he probably would have been in the nineties. Um, <clears throat> but he was trying to be as big as he could. And he stepped up for the team, right. He's great on top. He's a pretty good scrambler. Uh, he's got good mat awareness. So, you know, we kind of knew, right. If, if Corey's able to hold these matches close with these big athletic heavyweights early on, if we get our chance on the mat with these guys, we could score a lot of points. Um, so I think that, you know, the momentum that the team had built during that dual meet, it was there, like that helped carry Corey, you know, and he went out and I think the guy he beat it was at the time was ranked like 18th or 16th in the country. So yeah. that was a huge win for Corey. Um, and it was just great to see him go out there and put it on the line and, and, uh, and just make a statement to finish the duel, right? Like we would have won the duel no matter what happened, right? We, he could have gone out and, had a bad attitude and been like, well, this guy's ranked and I only weigh 200 pounds. Right. And it wouldn't matter because the team was, we were already going to win, but uh, it was a testament to him that he didn't let himself do that. You know, the guy came out, started pushing on him real hard. I think Corey hit like a slick duck near the edge that yep. went out nice. of bounds, you know, and I think that woke 
the other guy up like oh i better not just like try to big man him so um i think it shook him a little bit and uh yeah it was great to see Corey get that that win last season uh so talking about the short season you know I'm, I'm going to bring up Jake Nolan because I kind of talked to him after each, each event, but Jake Nolan had four matches during the regular season. I believe three of them were in the, the starting lineup. One might've been an, ex, an extra match, whatever it was, but uh, you know, he, then he had four matches alone at the EIWAs. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't happy about his performance, but you know, I reminded him like you literally had wrestled half of your season, you, you know, you wrestled four matches throughout a course of what a month and a half, maybe. And then you wrestle four matches in a day. You know, how hard was it to peak some of your guys for the EIWAs? I mean, everybody else was in the same boat too, but, you know, after competing so little during the season. Yeah, it was really hard. I mean, it's at the end of the day, right? We, we wrestle matches, you know, normal season, we're wrestling 30 matches, something like that. Um, We make adjustments during the season, right? We start in November, we'll wrestle a few matches. We'll make some adjustments. Here's what we're doing wrong. Here's what we got to get better at. Here's what we're doing really well. Um, we weren't able to do any of that last year, you know, cause shoot, we're talking about wrestling four duels and, you know, some of them, right. Some matches, some guys had good matches in those duels. And sometimes, you know, I think there was a couple of times where the teams we wrestled had some guys out cause of COVID. Right. So our starters are getting matches that might not even have been very good matches. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was tricky to get them prepared for that event. Um, you know, Jacob, Jacob Nolan is, He's, he's a tough, tough kid. I mean, there's, he's had some things in his career here, just like injuries, sickness, freak accidents. Um, and he shows up like ready to, he could break his hand and tell me he's going to wrestle the next day, you know, and, and he will. Um, so that's part of the reason why Jacob is going to come, you know, he's going to keep getting better for the next few years because that's the way he's built. But um not having matches last year to make adjustments was definitely hard. Um, and you know, I I think it was probably more noticeable at the national championships when we're wrestling teams that were able to rest, right. A lot of the, the big 12, the big 10, um, the Southern teams, ACC, right. They're coming into nationals with 20, 25 matches. Our guys are going in like six and three, (laughs) like, I think Louie might've been, like seven and oh, you know, something like that. Um, so it's just, it, it was definitely a challenge. Uh, I'm excited this year to be able to go to some big events. We're wrestling some really good teams. And, you know, I, I expect that we'll be able to make those adjustments um, throughout the season this year. Yeah. So, I mean, as we mentioned, there, there are four guys, um, four Binghamton Bearcats qualified to the NCAA tournament last year. True freshman, Micah Rose, sophomore, Jake Nolan. Uh, Doyle went and Louis Dupre, Micah and Nolan both went one and two, which it was awesome. Like I was, I was going wild. I wish I was out there, but I was watching along going nuts for you know, the North country guys, but uh, Louis Dupre finished eighth, but you have all four of them that are returning this year. You know, how does that feel like knowing you have four returning qualifiers? One of them is a, you know, obviously one was a true freshman. The other one, uh, Nolan's a sophomore. But, uh, you know, for the future of the program, you, you're bringing four guys back. What's the environment in the room like? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Have, <clears throat> getting that experience at Nationals, is, it's, there's nothing else like it, right? You can, you can go and watch. Um, but until you actually go compete in that event, right. it's just so hard to, like, understand 
what it's like to go and compete in that environment. You know, the best guys in the country are there. I mean, it's the best wrestling event in the world. So um, having four guys that have that experience in the room and having guys that are thirsty and, and driven to also get that experience, um, it's showing, right? Like our guys are, right now, our guys are more motivated, self-motivated than ever before that I've been with this program. Um, that self-motivation is is huge. You know, it's right now it's, um, we had Labor Day Monday, we have the, the Rosh Hashanah a holiday happening on campus here. So, um, you know, we can't have any required activity. I think every guy on my team was, was in the room today, you know, on their own with a partner um, or as a group uh, getting working, you know, and that's, that's something that is really, really important for a program to become better, right? It can't always come from me and my staff. It's got to come from the guys on the team pushing each other and, and making sure that they're accountable and getting better. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, you know, talking about your, I guess, the alpha male on the team, uh, during a normal season to pray, I think, you know, on any given Saturday night, you know, he's he's wrestling, you know, on the big stage, right? Um, but, you know, he hasn't been battle. He wasn't battle tested against guys that he normally would have been, you know, Cornell, Princeton, you know, like you mentioned at tournaments, um, you know, after his loss to Poznanski in the quarters, how were you able to refocus him to to win that blood round, you know, in a tough 184 pound bracket? Yeah, I mean, it was just getting that, right, get that win. Go out and get the win. You know, do what you do all the time, right? You're This guy you're wrestling is no different than anyone you've ever beat before. Just go out and get the win, right? Get on the podium. Then we'll figure out, you know, where the cards fall, right, how high we're going to end up on the podium. Um, but it was hard for Lou because he believes that he should be a national champion, right? He works like a national champion. He wants to be a national champion, um, and he has the ability to be a national champion. So dropping that match – um, was definitely hard for him to come back, win that match and continue wrestling. Um, it's, it's just something that, you know, it's again, until you are in that specific situation, it's really, really hard to comprehend, understand. Um, you know, I think the guys at the weight class above, I think the two, three, the two and three seeds at 197, right. They didn't place, they had great seasons. They wrestled a lot of matches, had a lot of great wins and, you know, they didn't get on the podium at all. So, um, again, it's just a testament to Lou to, to dig deep and get that win. Um, and at the end of the day, right, you can talk about all you want about two through eight, but two through eight, you're an All-American, right? True. One, you're national champion. So um, we're going to be doing everything we can for, you know, for Louie to make sure that he's a national champion. That's, that's his goal. That's always been his goal. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to do whatever we can, whatever it takes. Well, talking about this year's schedule, um, I'm excited, but like how exciting is it to have duels against teams like Rutgers? Obviously, Cornell, you guys wrestled them, um, you know, every year, but Virginia Tech as well, where Luke could see Poznanski, Hunter Bolin, um, probably Chris Foka, I would imagine he's a, a 184 for Cornell. But, you know, how is that, you know, having three, I mean, let alone the tournaments that you're going to, but three uh, probably top five guys in the country. I 184, Lou's going to be have a crack at him. Yeah, it's great, right? <clears throat> it's, it's great because those are the matches that help us get better. Those are the matches that we wrestle. We win or we lose. We watch them and we make adjustments, right? And here's the things we have to work on. Look look what we did well. Look what we can do better, you know, and having those matches for Lou and for everyone else on the team is really important. You know, we're, we're going to hit Cliff Keen. We're going to go out to the Midlands. Um, by the time we hit EAWAs, 
shoot, he should have wrestled most of the guys in the top 20 in the country. Yeah. And, you know, we should have a lot of time to make changes and adjustments and figure out exactly where we need to be uh, by the time we hit March, right? At the end of the day, it's November, great, whatever. We wrestle good dual meets, we wrestle good tournaments, but we got to be ready to wrestle in March. Um, winning dual meets is awesome, right? It's a great team. It's a great team building thing. It's a great atmosphere. Dual meets are fun. They're exciting. Fans enjoy them. It's nice to win meets, but it's really nice to be a national champion. So, um, you know, that's what I know some of the guys on the team have, have their, their sights set on, right? All Americans, national champions. Um, we need to get the matches in next year because we do need adjustments, right? There's right now we have a lot of younger guys that competed last year that didn't see a full season and we weren't able to make any major adjustments in their wrestling because we didn't necessarily see it until, until nationals, right. Yeah. With Micah and, and Jacob and, and, and Joe. Um, so it'll be a nice opportunity this season to be able to watch these matches, wrestle good guys, wrestle guys all, all season long and just focus, focus on what we need to. Yeah. So you guys open up your season in just under two months from now at the rack at Rutgers. Um, I believe you guys actually, so 125, as you mentioned, you know, battle testing some of your guys, Micah will probably have that Shaver who beat McKee last year at the big tens. Um, Jake Nolan could prob probably run into Jackson Turley, which was an all American from last year. And then again, Dupre will get his rematch with Poznanski. You know, how pumped are you for the Bearcats to be competing in, you know, obviously it's enemy territory, but, a place like the rack, which is, you know, obviously Jersey, you know, they support their wrestling pretty big and it's probably going to be an electric. Hopefully it's going to be an electric environment. How pumped are you for the Bearcats who experience that, especially the young guys on the team? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, wrestling, wrestling, the best teams is, is always exciting, right? It's life is never more fun than when you're the underdog competing against the giants. That was a fortune cookie. I got once, right. <laughs> but it's true. You know, I, I love the idea of going in there and wrestling those guys, right. I love the idea of going down to Virginia tech and wrestling those guys in West Virginia down there, um, going to Lehigh, going to Cornell, right. That's the stuff that as a coach, right. We want to win those matches, but I also love the excitement, right. Just going in competing, right wrestle these guys hard, see where we're at, right? Give us, give us a benchmark as a team, right? Um, and that's the attitude that we've been talking about that the team has to have, right? Our team has to approach that dual meet against Rutgers with the mindset that we're going to go in there and we're going to beat Rutgers, right? We're going to go down there. We're going to beat them up. We're going to wrestle hard. We're going to beat them in their gym. Um, and that's really like, at the end of the day, that has to be your motivation. You have to want that to get better. And that's the goal, right? The goal isn't to go and compete with Rutgers. The goal isn't to go and wrestle them. It's to go and beat them. Um, and my guys are up for that challenge, right? And as a coach, that's why we created the schedule we did, right? We're not going to be afraid to go and compete against someone. We want to wrestle these teams. So your first home duel comes two weeks, I believe two weeks after that duel, and that's against Stanford, um, which is now coached by former Cornell coach Rob Cole. Um, I'm obviously excited for the duel because we all, you know, we're able to keep Stanford wrestling. But from a fan's perspective, we're able to see Stanford, who has two returning All-Americans in Jaden Abbas and national champ Shane Griffith, come to Binghamton to compete. Um, you know, how did this duel come about? I mean, I know – Cornell is on their schedule. I don't know if it's, I assume it's the same time. Um, is that something you and Cole set up? 
Yeah, Rob reached out. You know, he said, hey, we're, we're going to wrestle Cornell. We'd love to hit you guys that weekend, too, which, um, you know, that that happens, you know, quite often. It makes sense, right? We're only an hour from Cornell. We're the closest next Division One program uh, by far. So um, anytime a team's coming in to wrestle Cornell, I'd love to have them in Binghamton, right? Whoever yeah. it is. Like um, if you're going to travel this far, right? Yeah, exactly. NC yeah. State did it with us and them. Nice. If you're going to travel up to Ithaca or Binghamton, you might as well hit both of us. So, um, you know, Rob, obviously being familiar with the area, he, he just kind of, I don't know if he texted me or called me. I can't remember and just said, Hey, we're wrestling Cornell. Would you want to, would you want to compete that same weekend? And right. It's not a, there's no hesitation. Yeah, we do. Right. <laughs> like we'll bring Stanford here. That's awesome. Let's do it. Right. And um, the goal is to get back out there. Uh, the next year and, and do a West coast swing and, and hit them out that way. So um, yeah, again, it's just, that's, that's what we want to be doing. We want to be wrestling these guys. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about on your schedule was the, as you mentioned, the Virginia tech and West Virginia try me uh, looking at some key matches that, you know, some ranked guys that your guys could see, you know, 125 again, Micah Rose, he could see Carnell from, West Virginia and Latona of Virginia Tech, both who are returning All-Americans. And then at 174, Nolan could see Makai Lewis, obviously national champ. And 184, again, the Prague will have another rematch with the guy that he uh, lost to at NCAAs last year and Hunter Bolin. You got a lot of sprinkled in out-of-conference duels, which you normally do. But, you know, was that part of the focus going into the season after last year? Like, you obviously got a few ACC guys <clears> – <throat> few big 10 you got a i think you're wrestling and north dakota state as well uh stanford you know you're you're really spread out as far as who you're wrestling yeah well so the virginia tech thing we were supposed to do last year um uh coach roby brought tech up here two years ago we were going to go down to them last year with all the restrictions that took place we you know we couldn't do it so mm-hmm. when we were building the schedule this year we made sure to get uh that match set up down there and you know when i was talking with him he kind of said, well, we got, you know, West Virginia coming in this weekend. Um, so I was like, well, it'd be great if we could hit both you guys, talk to coach Flynn, you know, confirm that through them. And that should be, I mean, that weekend's going to be great, right? We, we go to Lehigh on Friday. We'll wrestle Lehigh Friday, Saturday, we'll travel to tech and then Sunday we'll wrestle tech and WVU. So, um, big weekend for us should be, you know, a lot of great matches should be a lot of fun. Our university president, uh, President Stanger, has told me he's coming down to the Lehigh match. So I think nice. he's a, a Lehigh alum. So he uh, he wanted to make it down for that one. But uh, yeah, I'm just the way our schedule worked out for next year. Uh, by the time we get to EWAs and Nationals, we should have seen seen them all. You know, we we should have hit most of the best guys in the country. And uh, to do what I want with the program, to get where I want to go with the program, that's the kind of schedule we we need every year. You know, and um, these are the teams we have to start beating, right? We can't just compete. We can't just be uh, a blip on their schedule, right? We got to compete with these teams. We got to beat these teams. Do you have any particular match or event, I guess, um, circled on your calendar? Or is it just taking it one by one by one? <sighs> one by one. Yeah. I love the tournaments, you know, the, the Vegas tournament. Haven't been to Midlands in a long time. I'm excited to go out to, to Midlands next year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are the places where you get a lot of guys that have breakout seasons at those places, right? Like you hit Vegas, you get some freshmen that people hadn't seen before, right? That, that make a run through the bracket. I think we have some guys that have that ability, right? I think we have some 
some fresh, you know, freshmen from last year. I think we have some transfer guys in our lineup right now that have that ability. Um, so those are kind of, you know, I, I'm excited for those to get thrown into a bracket with a bunch of the best guys in the country and, uh, and see where we fall. Yeah, I guess the last few things that I was going to say were, you know, talking about those transfers that you got um, since last year. Um, you had three of them that I know of. Christian Ganone, who came from Bloomsburg. Uh, he was a Eastport, South Manor guy out of Suffolk County. I would imagine he's about 133. So I would imagine he, him and Sabaker have some familiarity being Section 11 guys. But, you know, obviously he adds depth to the roster at 133. Then he got Nick Lombard, who transferred in from University of Michigan. Um, I would assume he's around 149, 157. I believe he won a few matches in the extra matches that they had uh, last year against Ohio State and Penn State. And then lastly, you guys brought in Ryan Anderson, who in high school, he was a Super 32 champ, Ironman champ, two-time Pennsylvania State champ. And he initially went the D3 route to Sanitary College in New Jersey. And then uh, he was a 2020 Division Three freshman of the year. And he was seated first at the NCAAs. Uh, obviously that tournament was canceled. Um, you know, how did you bring in Anderson and, uh, even the rest of those transfers? Well, um, let's see. Anderson was, you know, looking to move to the D one route. So we jumped into the transfer portal and, um, coach Mitch had a connection with Ryan's uh, club coach. Yep. Um, coach Mitch's son wrestles, for the, the mad assassins down by Scranton. Um, and, uh, Ryan's club coach growing up was the guy that runs the mad assassins. Um, so <clears throat> Steve had a little bit of an in there. We got, uh, Ryan up to campus the first day we could, you know, July or, uh, what was it? June, June 1st or something that dead period finally yeah. ended. Um, so he was on campus like that night, um, checking out school and, we were uh, able to make things work for him. And uh, yeah, he's been, he's been here now for uh, shoot about a month, I guess. Um, working hard, you know, looking forward to, to, to seeing what he can do. Um, Lombard graduated from Michigan. He was looking to get a little closer to home. He's from New Jersey. Uh, he was a business student at Michigan. Uh, Binghamton offers uh, an MBA program that we are able to you know, we have a lot of students on our team, student athletes that'll do their MBA while they're here. Um, Nick was looking to do an advanced degree in business. So, you know, he, I think, reached out to us initially and just said, hey, I'm looking to move closer to home. Um, would like to talk about Binghamton, you know, and I remember getting that email. I called him that day. <laughs> it was like email came through. I opened the phone. Right. So, um, hey, let's get you on campus. Let's let, let's show you around and Brought him up on a visit, same thing, loved it here. Um, made it work out for him, got him into the MBA program and he'll get his MBA here this year. Um, Ganone was was a Bloom guy, you know, he's, but he's from New York. So he had a lot of connections to guys on the team. Um, Coach Midich was at Bloom, I think a year with Christian. So when he jumped in the, the portal, there was a lot of things that were familiar for him about our program. Um, so it's just, you know, things, things worked out for us. We, we got in contact with guys when we could and got them up here. And usually when we get people to campus, they love it, right? We, we get people on campus. It's beautiful. People love the guys on the team. Um, it's a very friendly team. So 
typically that's, you know, we get them here. People really, really like what we have to offer. Yeah. So you were talking about the dead period ending, you know, what was your main focus and and how did you attack the class of 2022 and then the class of 2023? Cause I believe like the one ended, as you mentioned, the, the first, and then you could then contact the class of 2023, I think the 15th. So, you know, you had two weeks to kind of tackle both um, before you could tackle both uh, classes. Yeah. We've been busy. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like it. We've been busy. You know, it's, that's, it's just the recruiting game has moved earlier over the past uh, uh, 10 years that I've been coaching past 11 years. Um, you're starting to be able to talk to kids when they're younger. Um, so you just got to do it right. That dead period lasted forever. <laughs> it, went, yeah. it was like 14 or 15 months. It was a dead period. Um, so it was just like, let's target some guys that we have to get here as soon as it ends. Let's target some other guys that we have to get to as soon as we're able to, right. Cause I like to talk to people in person. Um, I don't love email. I don't love phone calls. I'd rather sit in your house and talk to you. Right. I'd rather bring you on the campus and show you around and talk to you. Um, one of our greatest strengths at the university here is being on campus and showing people around. So, um, that dead period for us was, was tough. We dealt with it and just glad that it's over, you know, and, and we're back to normal now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I see a little bit of similarity between uh, your teams and coach pops teams back from 2009 to 2012, you know, the section five alpha male, the, the leader, right. Josh Patterson, he got the all American for, um, for the Binghamton Bearcats. And then obviously guys like Donnie Vincent and Lister and, and Gwiz followed in place. And, you know, the, the North, I'm not saying North country guys, well, Lister was, but, uh, you know, the, the small town, you know, blue collar kind of guys, but then, you, you know, you're coming in, you've got Louis Dupre, and then you have Rose and Nolan and the class 22 recruit they just got. And then, uh, you know, obviously with Coach Midich and Garcia, you guys are recruiting pretty strong. And in, in Pennsylvania, you guys got some transfers, uh, New Jersey, you got Cassell over in the New England states. You know, what you guys are doing as far as recruiting and bringing you guys in obviously speaks to the culture that you guys are building and uh you know the program that is heading in the right direction so it's awesome to see yeah yeah it takes and it's always that first one right first all americans the hardest one you get the one guy in well everyone's watching what that guy does every day right go do what he does well go do more than he does right push yourself harder um and, and that's how you get the next guy right and i lived that at american right dan waters was the first american university all american the first Oh yeah. I think I said that right. Dan was the first one ever, right? He took eighth, I think in Oh five. <clears throat> then in Oh six, Josh and Muzaffar placed in 2007. Josh was national champ. Uh, 2008, we had two all Americans, nine, we had two all Americans, 10, we had two, 11, we had three, 12, we had two, you know, it's just like you get that one guy through and people start believing and, uh, it gets a lot easier. So looking forward to, to having some more belief on the team, looking forward to seeing more guys do what Louie did last year, seeing, you know, Louie do better than he did last year and certainly other guys trying to do better than him. Right. That's what it's all about. Competition. Yes, sir. Uh, last thing I wanted to say was what is it like having a guy like Billy Baldwin as a supporter of your program, you know, with a platform that he has, you know, I remember ESPN a few years ago, he was talking about Garcia, you know, um, just him bringing up Bearcats on ESPN on the big stage, you know, having him as a supporter in the program. What's it like? 
it's awesome. Billy's great. Billy was here like a week and a half ago, right? He came through town. We had lunch. You know, we talked to the president of the university. Um, Billy's always ready to rally the troops, right? The alumni, uh, friends, just get people supporting the program. So it's really nice to have that. It's great to have him when he's on ESPN. Uh, yeah, when, you know, that one match Frankie wrestled, kid from Air Force, I think the whole thing was live on ESPN because Billy was standing there with his <laughs> microphone, right? Yeah. Right at the mat side. So um, that exposure is absolutely unique to have uh, for a program that's, you know, our size, a mid-major program. Um, so yeah, Billy's great. You know, I, I love talking with Billy. He's always got fun stories. He's very personable, you know, and um, it's always fun when he's, he's coming through town, you know, and we go and grab some food and just chat and he gets on the road and he'll come to some matches and things like that. So yeah, Billy's, Billy's great. Uh, that's about it. I mean, you, you just gave me an hour of your time. That's, that's <laughs> awesome to, uh, you know, hear the, the story of, you know, your, your route from Pittsburgh to American to Binghamton and what you guys are growing down there. Obviously, uh, I like to share it on more wrestling as much as I can. Del- definitely have to get down for a few duels this year. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, it's just check out Binghamton, right? If you're listening to this, watching this, whatever, check us out, right? We're the best public university in the Northeast United States. We've got a great wrestling program, a lot of different degrees, professional schools. Um, I think, you know, if people look into Binghamton a little deeper, they'll be surprised what they find. So check us out. Give me a call. Shoot me an email. Hopefully I'll talk to some people that watch this. Embrace the green. Embrace the green, baby. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks again for listening to More Wrestling Podcast. Peace out. See ya.